this season is always a, a, a good season um, to just reflect on all that God has done um, throughout uh, these past few years, this past year. Um, but we also know that um, Thanksgiving and, and December can be difficult uh, for some people too. So we, we, we just want to be aware of that. Um, and no matter where you find yourself on your spiritual journey, um, I just want to tell you, you're, you're in the right place today. You're in the right place. And uh, this, this morning, um, we're, we're going to get into our series. We've been going through this series um, called Doxa. Doxa um, is, is the Greek word that translates for glory, giving God glory um, specifically. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to go to Romans chapter 16. And, and the Pew Bible or the Bible uh, underneath the chair, it's on page 951. And you're going to go to Romans chapter 16. That's the last chapter in Romans. And we're going to be in verses 25 through 27. And if you could stand, if you would, if you would stand as we get ready to read God's word. Man, it is, it is a joy and an honor to, to read God's word and hear God's word together. Romans chapter 16 Verses 25 through 27, it says, Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all the nations. Can you say all nations? According to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. Verse 27. To the only church family, can you say only? To the only wise God be glory. Can you say glory? Glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity that we get to uh, hear your word. Father, your word brings life. Your word encourages us. Your word, Lord, is there in moments of despair. God, in this morning, as a community, as a family, we, we come to you ready to listen. We want to listen to what your spirit is telling us today. Lord, many of my brothers and sisters, we need a word from you, God. We need to hear from you. We're in trouble, Lord. God, so we're just asking you, Lord, to minister to us. Speak to us, oh God. Let the meditations of my heart and the words that I speak be pleasing to you, oh God. In the name of Jesus, God's people said, amen, amen. amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Uh, you know, th- this week has been a, a, a great week. Um, pastorally for me, but it's also, it's also been a, a hard week. Um, one, of, one of the greatest honors that I have as a, as a pastor is to just be on the end on the various things that go on in, in people's lives. And the truth is that many of you have been going through some difficult struggles, some trials, some issues. And if you're like me, because I got trials, issues, and difficulties as well. You feel often weak. And today, 
I was reflecting upon this reality that all of us, we got these trials, we got these issues, and we often feel weak. But the good thing is that God gave us one another. And I just want to say thank you that you not only let me into your lives, but you also allow me um, to tell you about what's going on in my life. And as I was thinking about the weakness that we oftentimes face in, in our week, I thought about a time I was in high school. And in high school, I was in the weight room one time. It was, it was gym class. And there was this, like, really, really, really scrawny dude, really, really skinny. I hope that's not offensive to anybody who's skinny. God bless you with that. Somebody's pointing at themselves. But God bless you with that. But this, this skinny kid, he was, he, was, he was in the weight room. I saw him. He was all prepped up, ready to, you know, lift some weights. He, he was about to do the bench press. You guys know what the bench press is? Anyways, he put like two plates on there. That's a lot of weight. And I, and I was just looking at him like, man, what's going to happen to this dude when he, when, he, when he lifts this? And anyways, he gets on the bench. He has a spotter. He lifts up the bench. And it, as soon as he lifts up, it comes right down on his chest. A whole bunch of people were, were, were trying to help him out. They put it back on the, on, the, on the crate. But he was hurt. And to make matters worse, now he was insecure in the weight room. It reminds me that in moments in our lives, things don't work out the way that we thought they would. We have the knowledge of how to do certain things, and we think that when we apply this knowledge to our lives that it'll actually work out. But when it doesn't, oftentimes it leaves us hurt and insecure. But this morning, I'd like to speak from you from the idea that God takes us from insecurity to strength. As a matter of fact, only God can take us from the insecure circumstances in our lives into strength. God can take us from instability into strength. Only God can make us strong in the weakest moments of our lives. So church family, I got good news for you today. From Romans chapter 16, verses 25 uh, through 27. And you might be asking, well, how, how, how could you be sure that God could take us from insecurity to strength? Well, in the text, we're going to see three ways. First, we could be sure of this because God is able to strengthen us by the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus. We'll also see that God is able to strengthen us by the gospel according to the prophetic word. That he has spoken in ages past. And then we're going to see that God is able to strengthen us by the, our obedience to the gospel and faith. But first, let's look at how the gospel strengthens us in the midst of insecurity by the gospel. If you look at verse 25. Verse 25 says, Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. See, Paul, he's the writer of this letter. He was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write to this group of Christians in ancient Rome. And there was a lot of division. They were a relatively new community. He didn't know who they were. And there was some instability going on in their community. And here in this text, he says, God is able to strengthen you according to my gospel, the good news that I preached about Jesus Christ. So if you want to know about what he preached about Jesus Christ, you got to read the whole letter. And I encourage you to do that when you get some time later on today or this week. 
But I'll give you a quick outline. In the first four chapters, Paul, he pens this letter and he makes the case that we all rebelled from God, but Jesus made us right with God through his death and his resurrection. Therefore, we are no longer separated from God. In chapters 5 through 8, Paul confirmed that Jesus freed us from the power of evil and secured our eternity with God when we die. That's good news. In chapters 9 through 11, he goes off, he's going in and he affirms that a relationship with Jesus is available to anyone, both Jewish and Greek people, anyone from any background. He says, this relationship with Jesus is available to anyone. And then lastly, in chapters 12 through 16 through 24, he says what up to a whole bunch of believers there because he had never met them. He's like, say what up to this person. Tell them I said hi. Tell them I'm coming. And he reminds our family that God will transform us through the power of Jesus and the love that we have for one another until the day that Jesus Christ returns. This is the good news. This is the gospel which was delivered by Paul. But you might be saying, this text is a praise. Our series is glory. Doxa. Here you're talking about an explanation of the gospel. How do those things work out? Well, you see, this is a reflection of the gospel. And when you reflect on the gospel, it leads you to glorify God. Because you see who God is and what God has done on behalf of sinners just like you and me. A whole bunch of jacked up people, a whole bunch of broken people that oftentimes walk away from God. See, when we reflect upon that outline that Paul provided in this text, it leads you to glory. And I love singing because singers actually understand this well. It was a singer named Andre Crouch. He reflected about the gospel, and he sang about this in a song that he wrote called My Tribute. In the song, he says, with his blood, he has saved me. He says, with his power, he has raised me. To God be the glory for the things he has done. Okay, I'm not, I'm not going to continue. You guys caught me in my shower moment. Okay. My landlords here, they hear me all the time. You can ask them about that concert later. You see, when you reflect upon God's goodness to you in Jesus and what Jesus has done for you, you can't help but sing and glorify him. That's why he says that God is able to strengthen us according to his gospel and proclamation of Jesus Christ. But see, it's not only about, uh, not only the songs that we sing that give us strength in God. Not only do songs, songs that talk about Jesus, give us ammo for life. He also, in this text, he says that God is able to strengthen us according to what he has spoken in every generation. You see, God has spoken transculturally. That means that God has spoken to every culture everywhere. God has spoken at every time. God is a God of history. He's spoken throughout history from the beginning to the end. God has spoken. 
And when God speaks, he gives us hope in this life in the middle of our weaknesses. And that's why he says God is able to strengthen us in verse 25. And then at the end of verse 25, he says, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages. You see that? You want to underline or you want to circle, double underline that word mystery. You see, when he says the mystery that was kept for long ages, it's a, it's a reference to prophecies, predictions in the ancient times that were spoken and written in the Old Testament. If you're new to the Christian faith or maybe uh, you're here in a church setting for the first time and, and you see a Bible underneath the chair, you'll see that the Bible is divided in, in, in two parts. The first part is called the Old Testament or the Old Covenant. The second part is a, a testimony of Jesus and, and the Old Testament points to Jesus. And, and you'll see that distinction, but in the Old Testament, you'll see various prophecies, predictions about Jesus. And I'm going to name three of them. In the 1550s B.C., that's before Christ, the prophet and priest Moses in the book of Deuteronomy, he predicted that a Savior would come to display the mighty power of God and perform awesome deeds. He predicted this. And the people of God who were slaves, they were just waiting for who this Savior would be. Now imagine that. This was a group of people that saw... God's miraculous works through Moses, a mere man. But Moses said, hey, there's someone greater coming that can do more than what God did through me. In 760 BC, the prophet Amos, he predicted that a savior would come to rebuild and restore the ruins of this evil world and the people of God. At a time where the people of God were dislocated, separate from their homeland, wondering if God would still restore them as a people. And he says, a savior's coming, and he's going to rebuild it all. Around the 580s BC, the prophet Ezekiel, in his prophetic book, he predicted that God would raise up a savior who would judge the world of sin. He would judge the world of every rebellion against a relationship, a loving relationship with God that's just multiplied and seen in every system and in every person in this world. He said that God would raise up a judge. You see, this was good news in Ezekiel's day because oftentimes when evil prevails, we often feel like, man, who's going to give an account for these things? Who's going to judge the world of these things? And in that day, in those times, Ezekiel said, a Savior is coming. And he's going to judge the world. He's not going to let sin off the hook. God will make amends for his people. So here... Paul, under that rich legacy, he says, God can strengthen you, Brooke family. God can give you strength and your weakness according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages. But verse 26, you want to circle, double underline that word, but. There are glorious buts in the Bible. 
And this is one of them. He says, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all the nations. Can you say all nations? So in verse 26, Paul asserts that Jesus is the savior of the world. That Jesus is the savior that displayed God's power through healings. Because God created our human bodies. God could heal because Jesus, being God in the flesh, he has all power and all authority over any sickness. And here, Paul is affirming that Jesus is this savior that Moses was waiting for. He also confirms this because he's trying to say that Jesus is rebuilding the world through his spirit in his people. I'll preach it to myself if I need to. And he will restore it completely when he comes again. See, so many times when we look at the world around us, it looks like our world is chaotic. All rumors of war. The things that go on in Chicago, and it's like, man, what in the world is happening? Will God intervene? Paul is affirming us today that Jesus is that Savior. Jesus is that Savior that Ezekiel talked about, that Amos talked about. And here he's asserting that God will strengthen us in the midst of an evil time because Paul on his way to glory, he says, Jesus is the one who judges our sin and also takes the penalty for it. See, only God can do that. That's, that's how magnified Jesus is. That Jesus can tell us what we've done wrong. Jesus can judge all the things that we've done to separate ourselves from God and also take the punishment that we deserved, which is death. For that. Because you see, Jesus, as predicted in the book of Ezekiel, is not just our judge, he's also our savior judge. So if he's our savior judge, then he indeed can set us free. So this is why he says God is able to strengthen you according to the prophetic writing. Because you see, these prophecies were fulfilled by Jesus as seen in Paul's assertions. But you see, sometimes it's, it's difficult to, 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 to bring that home, right? How does, how does the gospel actually apply to our specific circumstances? And you know, Josh, we're, we're in theological school, right? And in theological school, we, we, we oftentimes talk about these theological constructs these abstract things. We talk about theology and how Jesus came down on earth. But oftentimes in theological school, Josh, we don't have the opportunity to really see how that really rings home. And see, oftentimes when, when we're in pastoral ministry, what we see, right, is that oftentimes the things that we do or the people that we lead oftentimes become the saviors for our lives, for all the insecurities that we face, right? And then the more we walk, in this, in this walk, what we see is that people cannot save us. People cannot fix us. Now, don't misunderstand me. See, I'm, what I'm not saying is that God hasn't placed us in a community. God has given us friends. God has given us men and women to look up to. God has given us relationships. God has given us spouses to help us on this journey to see Jesus. 
See, the problem is when we make people our saviors. The problem is when we put the Superman cape on a relationship. And the problem is when we systemize our entire lives around this savior complex. And see, the problem is when we systemize our lives around these savior people is that when we systemize it, we realize they are broken just like us. That no matter how much they can help us and no matter how much God has used them to lead us to Jesus, they ultimately cannot fix us. So no matter if you're single or you're married, no matter if you're looking for a friend or not looking for a friend, if you're looking to be isolated, the truth is people cannot save you. You cannot save yourself. So why systemize your whole life around people? I wonder sometimes if as a family, even in my own life, if many of the problems that I face would just be remedied if I didn't try to fix my problems by depending on people. Now, again, don't misunderstand me. I'm the community guy. Most of y'all know that. Like, I'm the type of dude that I literally tell you, you need to be in community. You ain't growing without community. But community ain't your savior. And any community or any relationship that becomes your savior needs to change. It needs to change because it won't work. It won't work, family. It will not work. Jesus is our Savior. And every generation has been waiting for Jesus. And Jesus came. He was dead. He was buried. And he rose from the grave for our sin. And the magnifiedness about Jesus is that he's not only our judge and our Savior, but also he is a man. He was human. He took on human flesh. He wasn't a God in the clouds. Jesus was a God who reigned in heaven and came on earth to serve, to serve us. So this God can strengthen us according to the gospel, according to the mystery that was prophesied years ago, fulfilled in Jesus, fulfilled in Jesus. So if people can't save us from our deepest insecurities, we we must find out how we attain God's strength in the gospel. Because when it's all said and done, if you're like me, you realize, man, people cannot save me, and that can leave you abandoned, right? That can leave you forgotten. This week I was struggling with feelings of abandonment for some reason, feelings of being forgotten. And the more and more I talk to many of you, I'm like, man, Lord, I feel like many of us are just dealing with this feeling of abandonment and being forgotten, being misunderstood. And I believe that God was journeying with me and journeying with you to see that Jesus hasn't forgotten us. So my third point is that God is able to strengthen us, not only by the gospel, according to the prophecies that have been given also by believing and obeying Jesus. See, things become abstract. Things become lofty and in the clouds when we don't believe them and when we don't obey them. And see, the problem is that sometimes we believe what's in front of us physically 
And we obey those things because we think they, they'll complete us. But we don't see that in the physical realm of things, there are spiritual realities that we need to take into account. And the gospel is one of them. And here in verse 27, or excuse me, verse 26, at the end he says, God is able to strengthen us according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience. Can you say obedience? Obedience of faith. You see, here he says, God is eternal. Think about that. God is eternal. Now think about this. And we are finite. We are bound by time and space. We aren't limitless, yet God is eternal. He is the first and the last, the beginning and the end. God is timeless. And here, he says, according to the command of the eternal God. The command of the eternal God. You see, God is not bound by time and space. He's eternal. He has no beginning and end. But you see, God has spoken in time and space. So an eternal God speaks into history. See, if you read the Bible from the beginning to the end, what you see is that when God speaks, history happens. When God speaks, things move. When God speaks, he wakes you up in the morning. When God speaks, God decides when people are born. When God speaks, God decides when their time is up. This God is eternal. And he speaks to us in timely situations. See, God has spoken to us through the God-man, Jesus Christ. So this eternal God that was timeless and all splendor and glory, he became human into human history and he spoke. And he spoke to give us life. The thing that that Paul had outlined throughout this letter. And when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about a time when I was bound by the weakness of my own body. Uh, recently, I ha- I've, I've gained in the past few years this, this affinity for running. I love, I, lo- I love running. It clears my mind. You might, you might even catch me late at night. Some people have caught me in this church late at night running through the, through the neighborhood. And uh, there was one time where I was just feeling so weak, and I was like, man, I'm, I feel like I'm plateauing. So, so I called up Pastor E, Pastor Eric. And I was, he's a runner too. And I was like, man, can, can you kind of just help me run with you? He, he took me all the way out to Plainfield, Illinois, uh, where his, where his um, in-laws live. And, and, and he, was, he was doing this, this, uh, this type of workout. It was killing me. And, you know, he's like way skinnier than me. Um, and, and he's so encouraging though. And I was so, so weak. And he's like taking me through this, this regimen. And I'm just like giving up. And he's like, come on, man. You can do it. You can do it. Come on, man. You know, like don't give up. Don't give up. Come on, Jeremy. Come on. And I'm over there like, man, I'm about to pass out right now, Pastor. I don't know what you are doing right now. And as we ran, I felt weak. But when Pastor Eric spoke to me in the midst of my weakness, the more I believed what he was telling me, the more I believe the capacity that God had given me in my body. 
And you see, the more I knew my capacity, even though I was weak in those moments, at the end of that time, I was stronger. And I gave Eric the glory for that. I praised him for that. He's not God. He's not God. He looks good, but he's not God. (laughs) But he helped me. He strengthened me according to what he told me on the race, in the sprints. You see here in the text, what he's saying is that God is able to strengthen us, verse 26, according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of, you want to circle this, faith. Faith is the idea of trust. Trust that Jesus died and rose for our rebellion against God. That Jesus, by the power of his word, he sets us free. Therefore, when we trust what Jesus has spoken through his death and his resurrection, we have the capacity to overcome anything. Death, Jesus overcame it. He said we're overcomers. Sickness, Jesus overcame it. And he, he, he's a healer. Any evil system in this world, Jesus is a king and he reigns. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples. That's his word. See, Jesus, he's given us the capacity to reign with him. The capacity to be in relationship with God, even in the midst of the most insecure, unstable situations that we find ourselves. But when we trust, when we trust, it's followed by our obedience. And this is why he says in verse 26, to bring about the obedience of faith. Some translations say obedience and faith. See, just like me when I was running and and trying to obey Eric as he's coaching me through this thing, I had to believe what he was telling me, but I also had to react in obedience. You see, that's the way faith works. If you believe that Jesus died and rose from the grave, and that on that basis you are an overcomer on on anything that could come your way, then it follows obedience to what Jesus actually says. See, faith is not based on a powerless God. Faith is based on the God who has all authority in heaven and on earth. So if faith is based on that God, which is Jesus Christ, then we are good to obey him in anything that he says. Anything he wants us to break away from. But I know what some of y'all are saying. I know some of y'all are looking at me and kind of like, Jeremy, I'm very theological. I've been reading this study commentary for a while. I'm going to catch you, Pastor. You're talking about how God strengthened us, but you still haven't dealt with the idea that this series is called Doxa, glory, to give God glory. And as a matter of fact, If you read that verse, he says, now to him, and after he says all the according verses, he says, to the only wise God, be glory forevermore. We talked about the wisdom of God, but how does does glory work with God's wisdom in effect in my life? 
Can, can you put those things together? I know some of y'all are trying to stump me with that a little bit. You're just trying to strengthen me, but you're not dealing with the fact that Paul here, he's telling us to glorify God after everything that he says. How does that work out? Well, this week I was with my real community group. Shout out to um, real community, uh, Galewood. Where y'all at? Okay. Okay. Not, not many of us here. We're going to talk about that. Uh, no, I'm just playing. Real community. Real community. We're talking this week about suffering. And, and there, there was a question that was made that kind of like stumped me. And essentially, it was, it was how, does, how, how can we talk about hope when things aren't seemingly getting better? And I had to think about it, and it took me to this story of, of and I shared it with my real community, at the time when uh, my aunt, she, she, she was uh, mentally ill for from, from most of her, her life. She, she didn't develop the way most of us do. Um, so she was my aunt, but she, she, she grew up like my sister. We, look, we looked after her. Long story short, she, she got cancer. And I've, I've told some people this story, but not from this angle. And, and she got cancer, long story short. Uh, the, the cancer is eating away at her in a matter of months. She's literally awaiting death. And, and I'm in New York City with, with, with all my family. And, and, and that whole time I was with my grandfather. At that time he was, he was living. You see, my grandfather would, would oftentimes call us into the, to the hospital room right there as my, as my aunt. Or for all intents and purposes, my sister was in, this, in, this, in, in her deathbed, literally. Just awaiting death. And he, he would call us there and and and, and my, my grandfather would pray and he wouldn't just ask God to heal her we, we would ask God to heal her God please heal my aunt this is this is not the way that life is supposed to be heal her but he would oftentimes pray about all the things that Jesus had did for him that he had a relationship with God. And he would pray, and then my grandfather would have this strength that I've never seen before. And then when he would feel strength, and he would call us into the room, and he'd be like, now we're going to sing. Let's sing about God's great grace. You see, there were other times when my aunt was there in the, in the, in the hospital room, and he would call us into the room, and he would, he would open up the Bible. And he would talk about all the things that Jesus had done for him. And after he would read his Bible and reflect upon God's goodness and the fact that, yes, God could heal my aunt. And that's what we were banking on. He would open up his Bible and he said, but at the end of the day, she has relationship with God and so do we. And he would be strengthened and then he would sing. He would sing, y'all. He would sing. He would give God glory. You see, there were other times too where we would be in the, in the hospital room and not only would he pray and not only would he read the word and be strengthened, but other believers from around New York City, they would come into that hospital room and they would just encourage us and speak to us about the gospel about the good news of Jesus, that no matter what happens to my Aunt Patty, that we are still overcomers. 
that this life will not overtake us. And my grandfather would be strengthened. And then he would tell all of those people, he said, now we're going to sing. Now we are going to sing to our great God because he strengthened us. Even though we don't know the outcome. We get the call on a Saturday, October 19th, 2011. I get the call. My grandfather's already at the hospital. My aunt died. It was, it was devastating. It crushed us. And it's probably one of the most grievous times that, honestly, I'm still dealing with. The next morning, it was a a Sunday, excuse me. We went to church with with my grandfather. My grandfather was also a pastor. I told my brother, he said, hey, get get on the keyboard and play me that song from Andre Crouch. It's played on the piano. I just want to listen to it. And the whole church was devastated because, you know, we, they, were, they were our family too. And as we're in that little room, it's like a little upper room in this church that they rented, as my brother's playing just the instrumental, people are just, I mean, just down, disappointed with God. Out of nowhere, my grandfather begins to glorify God. He says, Alabado sea el Señor. Glory to God. Glory to God. You've been with me my whole life. You didn't leave me then. You won't leave me now. And even though you took my daughter, my most wonderful gift, I will praise you to the day that I die. And people began to get up and say, glory to God. Glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. We worship you. We praise you. Because you have brought us back in relationship with God. And no matter what happens to me in this life, people can abandon me. I can die. I can go through sickness. No matter what happens, whether he heals me or he doesn't heal me. Whether he pays my bills or doesn't pay my bills, God is to be glorified because he's been good to me. And it's on that basis, it's on that basis, when I reflect on his goodness, that I'm strengthened. See, church family, on the basis of what God has done, we can be strengthened. At the intersection of God's glory, And God's ability is God's strength in what Jesus has done for us. So how many of you guys want to glorify God? How many of you guys want to glorify God? At this time, I'm going to ask the worship team to to come on stage. Maybe you're sitting here and you're like, man, that really resonated with me. I want to tap into that strength.
I want to tap into what Jesus has done on my behalf and what that means for my life. Maybe you're here today and you're like, man, I just want to give God glory because I'm just reflecting on that. God has been good to me. Wherever you're at, whether you know Jesus or don't know Jesus, today you can be strengthened by him and you can meet him. So as the, as the, as the band plays, I'm going to ask the, the prayer counselors to come up. And we want to pray for you. I want to pray for you and, and ask God for, for strength. Maybe you're here today and you're like, man, I want to meet this Jesus. I want to know what it means to believe in Jesus, and I want to walk with him. I want to follow him. You know, today is the day of salvation. You could talk to one of the prayer counselors. But more than anything, as we sing this, uh, this song, I want us to just give God glory for what he's done. All right? Can we stand to our feet? Let me pray for you. God, I just thank you, Lord, for your grace, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for the ways that you minister to us, the ways that you strengthen us in the midst of our pain. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you take us from insecurity to strength. Oh, God, and today I pray that you would strengthen, Lord, those who don't know you, those who do know you, no matter what the circumstance is. And Lord, we, we just come to you at this time. Minister to us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.